This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have on Trent Cotton from Bureau Veritas, and we're actually going to be talking about separating the wheat from the chaff, a frank discussion about AI and ML in recruiting. So we're going to separate the, the pretenders from the contenders, if you will, and also make it a little bit easier for people to kind of discern what is there, what's not there, et cetera. Because uh, I think, again, there's a bunch of market confusion uh, when it comes to these technologies. And uh, some of it is just that we're being overwhelmed with all the new technology. Um, but, but Trent, do us a favor, do the audience a favor, introduce both yourself and Bureau Veritas and, and also mention your book. You just came up with a brand new book. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So Trent Cotton, and I have been in recruiting for 17 years now. Uh, made the transition in 2004 from a business leader and lender to recruiter. And right now I am the um, vice president of talent acquisition and talent strategies for Bureau Veritas. And in that role, it is all encompassing from you know the time that we first speak to a candidate all through their employee journey. Uh, that includes engagement, that includes retention, uh, that includes uh, and some employer branding as well. So it's a it's a big boy role, and I'm responsible for all of those initiatives in North America. And a little bit about Bureau Veritas is that uh, if it can be tested, inspected, or certified, we do it. That includes, you know, the, the label on the back of the can or the label on the milk that you drank this morning. We test it. We certify that the contents are uh, valid and that they, uh, whatever's listed on there is accurate. Uh, we do testing of oil. We do site. We do, um, you know, like if you need to go and build a building, we'll actually, you know, test the ground and, and tell you what kind of minerals are in it. We do building inspections. I mean, it's, uh, we even do, um, a horse racing horse after like after they win the race we actually go in and we test to make sure that there's no performance enhancing drugs right. and we can also test their dna and, and tell you whether or not their lineage and so i mean it, I, i'm learning something new every single solitary day uh about what we do and it's, it's pretty fascinating i love it and your your uh your new book tell me tell us tell the audience a little bit about it yeah, uh, just released and earlier this year, uh, Sprint Recruiting. It's uh, available on Amazon. Um, the full title is Sprint Recruiting, How You Can Innovate, Iterate, and Accelerate Your Recruiting Processes. And in the book, I just uh, share the story how at my previous firm with my, my previous team at BBVA that uh, we took the Agile and Scrum methodologies and applied it to recruiting. And, uh, the, you know, the four basic principles of um, sprint recruiting is that, you know, of course you recruit in a sprint, which is a two week period. So you're taking a lot of work and breaking it down into uh, bite-sized pieces. The line of business or your, your client drives priority with points. We establish a mutually accountable uh, feedback loop. And we also create a beat to that crazy chaos song known as traditional recruiting. 
So that way recruiters kind of find their mojo. And uh, the thing that I like about uh, the sprint process is that no one can hide. So if the managers are not doing their job and giving us feedback or being good hiring partners, you know, this, this process will highlight it. And the same thing is true on uh, the recruiting side. So it, um, it, it brings some, some, uh, I'm trying to think of a word. And whenever I think of traditional recruiting, all I think is chaos. And right. so for me, it's, it's, it's structure and focus. Yeah. Structure and focus. Um, and, and really just kind of makes life a little bit easier and, and it makes recruiting fun again. Uh, uh, amen. Is all I can say <laughs> to that. So let's deal with AI and ML on oh, one level. Favorite two topics. Yeah. Uh, on one level, there's confusion because the vendors uh, all say that they do certain things. The practitioners might not be able to discern one from the other or both used in combination with one another. So A, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about the confusion that you kind of see and hear, feel. Um, and also, you know, what makes you not, not angry, but what, what kind of gets under your crawl a little bit about how these technologies talk about their technology. All right. Um, so if I'm looking as a TA leader and I need to find efficiencies in the process, the first thing I'm going to go look at is, is AI and machine learning. What I'm finding in the, in the industry is that it's, it's feast or famine. You have people out there that will have 16 different products that all do the same thing because they just they want to test something new. But then on the very flip side of that, you have people that just dig in their heels going, AI is going to replace me. You know, if I institute something like that, it's going to make my job irrelevant. And, and neither one of those are true. AI, when implemented correctly, is an augmentation to the process. It is to help the recruiter focus on, quite frankly, the stuff that we love, which is, you know, engaging talent, you know, setting a career path, really digging into what's going to motivate them. And not only is it good, <coughs> excuse me, not only is it good for the recruiter, but it's also good for companies as we look at retention, especially in the new hire space. How do we go and we, we leverage data to be able to make more strategic and key hires that are going to stay? And that way we're not recreating this insane loop of, you know, the position being open every 180 days. So, you know, it, whenever you're looking at, an, at, at a strategy for how AI and ML are going to impact you or the recruiting team, the biggest thing is, is think of it as hiring 16 or 20 new recruiters but you don't have to add on an, eight, um, an FTE. To me, it's just kind of a no-brainer. So that, that's kind of my frustration. And whenever you're talking to vendors, all of them, we do this, we do that. It, it is, you know, it, it's kind of like uh, going from, you know, riding a horse to uh, someone trying to sell you a Maserati or a tech, you know. Um, you know, I, I drive a, a basic car, Toyota Camry, love it. I love to have a, a Tesla one. I can't afford it, but you know, if, if all I know, if I just upgraded my car for the first time in 10 years, going to a Toyota Camry where, you know, it'll talk back to me, that might be a little, a little unnerving until I get used to it, but going from something that, you know, 10 years ago to a Tesla, that might be a significant, significant jump for you. Um, what I think vendors are not doing is they're, they're, they're not really kind of explaining how all of this works together. And pulling back the curtain because they think that you know, a lot of times they think that recruiters are stupid. You know, for me, whenever I'm evaluating a, a vendor, I, I want to get into it. You know, how does it go out and find these people? How does it evaluate? What risks are out there? Uh, how do we mitigate those risks? I think one of the biggest pitfalls of your early adopters is that they plug in some of this technology and they just forget about it. 
You know, they don't go in and evaluate the process. With AI and ML, it is just like an employee or any other kind of process. You have got to inspect what you expect. So, so that, real quick, the, dis, the disconnect between uh, vendors and practitioners, I'm curious about that. Is that, a, is, is, again, is it, is it as simple as they don't know the job? Um, no, I, I think it's a little bit deeper. Than that. I think okay. that everyone is just really trying to kind of dig in and get their piece of the wallet. And right. they're, they're not, uh, God, I'm trying to think about it because I work with a lot of these vendors. So I don't, but a lot of them, know, like, you know, they'll reach out to me and I'll jump on a demo, you know, because I always want to know what is out there. That's really, really good. 100%. But I, you know, I want to be on the cutting edge of stuff, but they come across almost like insurance salesmen, you know, like life insurance. Hey, you're alive. You might die. Here's some, some life insurance and it's cheap. It's going to meet the thing and your family would be rich whenever you're in the ground. Well, that's not really a value prop for me. You know, I mean, I can, that's a commodity. And so they're, they're almost selling it like a commodity versus what is your business need, William, as a TA leader? What do you need? What are the gaps? What are, what are some of the things that keep you up at night? All right, now that I have that, now I can tell you how this product may or may not meet those needs or may or may not keep you up even longer at night. They're not approaching it from that. It's look at this shiny new thing and, and why don't you come buy it? And unfortunately, um, just with the compression in the market, I think a lot of TA leaders are just going to, hey, this is the shiniest and this is the cheapest right. in there, right? Do 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 uh, do you suggest that practitioners get into the weeds about how the technology works? I'm meaning uh, NLP, you know, bots, blockchain, <laughs> you know, use all of it. But we're talking just about machine learning and AI. I'm not sure if I lined up a hundred recruiters and asked them to define or, or, or define the differences between one and the other. I'm not sure they could do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm asking the question, I guess should they ask more probative questions about how the technologies work? Not on the first meeting. So, you know, okay. you're doing the demo. You just kind of want to see, is this someone that I feel like dating? Right? Right. 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 There's always a point where you bring someone that you're interested in to meet your friends or your family. And that's where I really find it helpful to, to bring in someone from your engineering or your IT to sit in on that next step because mm -hmm. they're going to know the questions to ask. And how to ask it in a programming way that the other person will understand. So it's almost like, you know, whenever I'm on IT, it's like they're speaking their own little language. But something may come up that is within my subject area that I go, wait, 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 wait. you said what? Back up. What does that mean? You know, uh, because I don't know what I don't know. But if I'm listening to two professionals kind of talk through it. Uh, one, it may bring something up that I, I didn't know to ask, but my IT person knew to ask. But then two, at the end of the call, I can debrief with my IT person and go, hey, how do you, you know, do you think this will work with our technology? This is kind of what I'm wanting to accomplish. Do you think this is going to bode well for, for what my strategic objectives are? And then for me, you know, I'm always kind of playing politics. If they fall in love with the product and they're able to kind of geek out with the person and fall in love with the product, that helps me on the procurement process and the evaluation process. Right. Because you know, IT person's like, oh yeah, I saw that a long time ago. They're good to go and you stamp of approval and you're, you move on. So I guess my advice would be, you know, that first couple of dates, just look at the demo, 
but make sure that at some point you engage someone. If you're not very technically savvy or strong, make sure that you bring someone in who is that can get into what the methodology is. What about references? Like, so say you, you know, use eightfold, we'll just use some real names. So, okay. that, you know, you use eightfold and you fall in love with it. Can't imagine a life without it. Um, do you think that other practitioners should reach out to you if they're thinking about eightfold um, and, and how you've applied it again, not just the technology, but how you've applied it and how you've kind of made it a part of your workflow and gotten people trained, et cetera, et cetera. How, how powerful or not, because <laughs> we could yeah. also talk about candidate ref- ref- reference, right. uh, <laughs> how, how powerful uh, is a, is a reference about a technology or how have you used them in the past as well? It really depends on who it is. There are, um, and, and I'm probably going to sound very, very arrogant, but there are very few people that I trust what they say about uh, a product or service. More of that is, is because of me. How I implement things is a lot different than your, your cookie cutter approach. So, you know, if I'm looking at Eightfold and they go, hey, we deal with Pepsi and I reach out to, um, you know, my counterpart at Pepsi, their targets and what they're trying to accomplish may be completely different than what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, I mean, the, the product is great for their needs and for their strategic objectives. They may not be for mine. So right. if you right. do do that, make sure that the, the objectives line up. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess the other part is, um, I think it's just the candidate reference thing. You know, I've just been so burned by references. I'm oh, just, yeah. Oh, you know, just so, yeah, but a lot of times what I will do is I'll ask for white papers, you know, or, or case studies. Right. And if it piques my interest, then I'll reach out and, you know, on LinkedIn or, or some other channel and talk about the white paper, not what is your general experience. But in this case study, you said this, which kind of lines up with some of the problems that I'm facing, but mine is a little bit more nuanced. Do you think, in your opinion, that Eightfold would be able to meet this need? Right. Right. I like that. It, it, it tracks with uh, candidate referrals as well. Again, Billy might've been great at his last job. What was the context? Right. You know, what was the, what was the context for that success or, or failure? You know, what was mm-hmm. the context? And again, I think in any technology, you, you, it can be successful given the right, you know, setup and context, right? It's, 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 uh, you know, you, you know, I used to tell people all the time, you can get a poorly, uh, you know, uh, let's just say software that isn't great or poorly made, but if it's superiorly implemented and people know how to bend it and make it, make it work, it'll actually work. Oh, heck yeah. Heck <laughs> like, yeah. like there's still people using access databases. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, oh, back in the day, you know, Excel and word are actually technically the largest, you know, HR technology company or Microsoft, uh, you know, office is the largest HR technology company in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and no one wants to talk about it. So um, with AI and ML in particular, in a way that we want to separate kind of the wheat from the chaff, again, helping, helping your peer group uh, look at technologies and also not be afraid of them. Like you mentioned at the very beginning, don't, don't fear mm-hmm. this. Uh, think of it in a different way. Um, what are other, uh, what are other pieces of advice that you give your peer group in terms of how they look at both, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning? Uh, so we, we already covered the, the, the don't be afraid. Um, right. 
and this is where my, my agile mindset is going to come into play. Um, and, and I think, honestly, William, this, this is probably how most recruiters are wired. It's like, you know, there's 150% and 0%. There is nothing in between for most of right? <laughs> right. It's like, hey, AI and ML, this is the new sexy term that's out there. So let's just automate the hell out of everything. That's not the right approach. All right. right. So let, let, let's kind of take this into bite-sized pieces using Agile. What I would do is I would look at my entire process. And, and I'm currently doing that right now. Uh, one, just to kind of learn how uh, Vera Veritas does everything from, you know, the, the ATS to the onboarding and all of that. And the question that I have is, why are we doing that? Where does the work belong? And can we automate it? And if we can automate it, that's whenever I start looking at what vendor can take this piece or what um, program that we already have can automate this piece to enhance the manager of the candidate and the recruiter experience. If you look at the full spectrum of the recruiting process, most of the heavy lifting admin stuff that all of us hate and takes the most of our time happens on the front end and the back end. So everything leading up to you know, getting that candidate on the phone is heavy admin, labor intensive, probably on a value added scale, maybe 25%, right? And on the back end, it's even worse because we got to chase them down for paperwork. We got to answer benefit questions, you know, all the average one in the middle to be able to seal the deal and get them in the door. And in most companies only to watch them leave in 90 to 180 days. So if I'm looking at, at where my gaps are, you know, where, where do I think is going to be the most immediate success that I can test an automation or an AI and I mean, essentially machine learning and AI, they, most of the time they just kind of work together because right, all machine right. learning is, is, is making that AI smarter. Um, for me, a lot of times I want to kind of, how do I get more candidates at the top of the funnel? So I'm always going to start looking toward the front, right? First part of the process, I sit down with recruiters and go, what takes up most of your time? I identify those different things. It's mm-hmm. sourcing, it's screening, it's booking appointments, it's, um, you know, trying to figure out how do I do a Boolean search off of this? Well, there are AIs out there like Wade and Wendy, um, mm-hmm. uh, Ideal. I mean, there, there are ones out there. And the beautiful thing about some of those is that a lot of us are so intent on diversity now because we finally, thank God, as an industry have realized, hey, this is a real big problem. Most of these AIs, their diversity penetration is better than any recruiter could ever do from a sourcing. It, it just is. Right. So you're hitting two initiatives with one. As a leader, I go, hey, this is a maximum value. This is what I want to test. So then I go out and I start looking at the vendors and I evaluate them against my value prop and what I'm trying to do from an EVP standpoint. And then, you know, I find, let's just say, I fall in love with Wade and Wendy. Okay. I love their product. It's, it's adequately priced. Uh, and it meets the needs. I don't even go all out and say, wait, when do you have the whole organization go for it? No, I'm going to look at what's, what's my highest volume, right? Or what's my most niche group that I have, I have to spend so much time sourcing and test it. Uh, bring that, that Wade and Wendy in and let's see how they do with that one organization. So you're, you're, you're breaking it into one faction in your organization. That way, if it fails, you fail fast, but not big. That's always my rule. Fail fast, but don't feel big. Right. Do you, you can, uh, on one level, uh, I want to ask that question. Do you do you pile up or do you suggest to your practitioner uh, friends, do you suggest like, again, Wade Whitney, great example. Hey, listen, you know, before you, before you bite off the whole thing, why don't you test it with one group or with, uh-huh. 
one division or you know whatever the bit may be do you do you uh suggest pilots and if so what does that look like for you always so i put them on a i put them on a sprint process so we implement wayne wendy for abc group right i set up bi-weekly meetings with me the recruiter the hiring partners and wade wendy and we we evaluate what happened over the last two weeks did we get more candidates? Did we get more screenings done? Recruiter, how do you feel about your quality of work? Hiring manager, how do you feel about the quality of candidates? Wade and Wendy, what did we not do that prevented you from helping us right. to be successful? Right. Chart it out, and then two weeks later, do the same thing. And if you're not seeing iterative growth, and whether whatever your metric is, so in this example, it's number of qualified candidates. If I'm not seeing that iterative growth, that's where I need to have a conversation with the vendor and say, we need to right-size this. Some, right. Some, well, okay. the, the beauty is, is again, for uh, practitioners and vendors that are listening to this, it might, it might be just a subtle tweak. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that the technology is wrong. It might mm-hmm. be the application or that we have some internal barriers that are not making us fully realize uh, and use the technology in a way that, we, that it should be used. So right. like, I don't believe in a good technology, bad technology. It, it's just whether or not we've actually gotten it to realize its goals. And what, what do we need to do to kind of eliminate some barriers? And I love the every two weeks that that's, that's better for the vendor. I would, I would tell you just working with uh, vendors as much as I do, that's good for them because they know where they stand instead of like, okay, in 90 days, we're going to check in. It's like, Whoa, 90 days, like anything can happen in 90 days. Like I'd, I'd much rather know in the first two weeks uh, or during a two week uh, sprint that, Hey, this 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 last sprint did not go well. Right. Okay, I I can change some stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Okay, I can fix that. But if I don't know, then I wake up ninety days later. It's like, no, we decided that it didn't work. It's like, mm. yeah. Well, you know, everyone loves that old adage that Rome was not built in a day. Uh, right. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day, and I always say, but it burned down in a day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it did. So, yeah. I mean, things can go wrong really, really quick. But, but also, too, think about it. You know, as a TA leader, I, I am obsessed with the recruiter, manager, and candidate experience. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. If let, and, and just add another layer to it that, as you were kind of talking through, you know, I might actually survey some of the some of the candidates that maybe applied and interacted with this new AI tool. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So I'm sitting down two weeks. I've got a 365, uh, 300, whatever it is, uh, 360 view of the whole experience. And when my manager's on the phone, they are partners. It is not something that HR is forcing down their throat and they're having, you know, I, I'm taking you from a 1978 Yugo and I'm putting you in a Tesla and just drive the thing. I want you to tell me, okay, do you not like the big screen? Let's change the big screen. You know, right. let's do this. Let's build this Tesla to where you're getting a Tesla but I can modify it to where it's based on your particular needs. And the, right. the recruiter is there, so they're not under fire. And the vendor is there because as a vendor, I want I want to have that kind of information. That's, that's user intel because if William likes it this way, you know what? I wonder if John Smith over at another company might see that as a, as a value add. And then I've got an extra revenue stream. So – uh, two questions as we go out. One is you identified or you talked a little bit about kind of low value tasks that we've just, mm-hmm. you know, through the last 20, 30 years, we just got to used to. I mean, there are still in some companies inter- interview coordinators. 
right? Like people that that's what they do for as a full-time job, right? Like we, we, we understand this. All right. So we're not going to make fun of it too much, but all right. So we're, that's there. So I was going to say, about, I have one too. It's called, you can book me. Yeah, it's Calendly done. <laughs> so, so, but still the low value task, but also sucking the life and soul and time out of sourcers, recruiters, and hiring managers. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a universal list of things or is it kind of company to company? Uh, is it is unique to different industries or do you think that, no, there's a, there's a list of 10 things that just technology should do, do period. I think it is going to be unique um, because part of it is going to be the scale of the company, you know, a uh, larger company. Good point. May have more assets and, and access to automation than a 50 member company, right? That um, makes sense. That makes sense. But, and I can tell you as of very recently going from one organization saying, Oh my God, these things make me want to like pull my hair out. And then coming to a new organization, I was like, okay, well, those weren't as bad as this, or, you know, this isn't bad as over there. So it, it is kind of industry and company driven. And so, it could be roles, uh, you know, like a buddy of mine's doing, you know, the higher end software uh, development roles at Amazon. Like mm-hmm. his, his life is completely different than, than, than other recruiters that I know that are hiring, you know, for retail and, oh, yeah. and they're doing high volume. So, so, okay, I can see that. So yeah. there's still in, even, even in those kind of two polarities uh, where one guy's trying to make, you know, four hires a quarter and the other, uh, you know, gals trying to make their thousand hires a month. Okay. Mm-hmm. They live in different worlds. Okay. I get that, but there's still, in maybe their low value, high waste of time tasks are different. They're still low value. You know, there's still low value things that, that technology should automate. There is, but I mean, if you, if using your example of one at a high volume entry level role, their pain points might be the fact that, you know, they're, they're paying 10 bucks an hour in California uh, for this, I don't know, you know, clerical right. data entry. Somebody can go work at in and out Burger for 17 to $20 an hour. Right. You know? Right. So it's completely different. Right. Right. I can see that. All right. We got to get out. Uh, last thing is name of your book and where people, where they can get it. Well, they can, uh, if they want to kind of ease into it, definitely check out sprintrecruiting.com. And if you want to read the book, you can go to Amazon and type in Sprint Recruiting. And my name, Trent Cotton, and it should come up. And if it doesn't, please let me know. That's how I have it designed. <laughs> that is some AI and ML that I need that to is, help out really, really quickly. Back to being optimized. We've, yeah. uh, we've, we've failed on that thing. But all right. So, Trent, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for breaking these uh, things down for us. And again, thanks for the, uh, for the audience for listening to the, uh, to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Sounds great. Thanks, William. All right, brother. Thank you. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com. 